Good morning, it's again great to be with you for our third of three talks on the Bible and disability. Uh, To recapitulate, remember in our first talk we saw that disabled lives matter, disabled lives are worth discipling. And in our talk last week, um, as I went over the notes, I wasn't too sure if it did have a main point, but I think it was... I think it was that disabled lives can reveal the works of God. Remember the story of the man born blind. Today I want to look at the theme of moving from inclusion to belonging. And then the passage I've chosen for us to look at is Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Now this should be a fairly familiar story to many of you. It's often used in Christianity, explained in Christianity, explored as one, of the, as one of the episodes from the Gospels that illustrate Jesus's authority, his authority to forgive sins, his authority to heal the lame and the sick. And that is very much the focus on the authority. Who is Jesus? What is the power that he has? And people are amazed at his authority. And one, the real sort of you know, punchline, and this is who can forgive sins but God alone. Now, I used to think that Jesus was just uh, potentially acting like a rogue priest and announcing the forgiveness of sins outside of the temple cultus. But one thing I learned is that if you read the Old Testament, you read Jewish and rabbinic literature, nowhere in the sacrificial cultus does the priest ever pronounce the forgiveness of sins. That's something, that's something that seems to be unique to Christian liturgy, where we have a confession of sin, and then the priest announced the forgiveness of sins. They did not have that in ancient Judaism. So this is Jesus very directly usurping the prerogatives of God and the scribes, and they're a little bit outraged that a person would arrogate themselves to this level. But Jesus responds, well, I mean... You know, anyone can say it, but I can actually prove it because if I can heal the lame, if I have authority to do that, then obviously I've also got the authority to pronounce the forgiveness of sins. So that's very much what the passage is about. Jesus' authority. Jesus is God. But as we look at this passage through the lens of disability, it has some things beyond that that we might want to notice as well. We notice that there is this disabled man and and he has friends. There's four friends who bring him. They go to great lengths to bring him to Jesus. It says they literally unroofed the roof. That's what they say. Uh, That's what it says in the Greek. They unroofed the roof. I mean, to illustrate this, I think it would have been fitting if I was brought in on a stretcher, carried by the worship team. That would have been maybe uh, a working parable of what we're doing. Uh, Notice too that Jesus commends their faith in the plural. Okay, In other words, he commends their their faith in, in Jesus, their faith in him as one who can heal, but also their faithfulness to their friend. They're willing to move literally the roof to help him. So we could easily break this down into a great sermon of three points for the disabled. We could say, one, be friends with the disabled. Two, help the disabled. And three, bring your disabled friends to Jesus. That would be a great... You just add a, you just add a joke at the beginning, a poem at the end. It would be a fantastic sermon. Jo- a joke, three points, and a poem. <laughs> but that's not what I'm going to do. I, I, think, I think we can go beyond this. 
I, I think we can prosecute uh, the logic of what is going on here, and I think we'll see a slightly different corollary. I think this passage teaches us there is a difference between simply being included and actually belonging. Um, now, the, the topic of you know, social inclusion um, is, is a pretty, pretty big thing these days you know, in our society. You know, we we want to be an inclusive, tolerant society. Uh, I don't mean like theological inclusivism, like, you know, you can be saved without knowing Jesus. I just mean sort of like people, you know, par- uh, are permitted in and participate in society irrespective of, you know, um, ethnicity, ableness and, 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 and that sort of a thing. And I did, some, I did some reading on this and what are some of the facets, facets of inclusion in society? And I went and I, and I found a few of them. Um, that was not one of them. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, one of one of the one of the facets uh, is economic participation. That means you're willing and you're able you know, able to work. Um, access to health services, so you can you can get the care that you need. Personal independence and self determination. Uh, ability to receive education so you can improve your situation. And another one is interacting with society and fulfilling uh, various social roles. Now, you could easily translate that into a kind of um, churchy version, okay, a churchy version of all that. You could talk about, you know, participating in Christian service, you know, people with disabilities, you know, able to participate in, you know, leading worship or, or various things in church. Access to pastoral care, so they're not uh, forgotten or they're not ignored. Uh, their opportunity to contribute to decision making uh, in the church. Uh, access to discipleship and theological education, or they have places where they can interact with other congregational members. Now, and I think that would all be good. That's all, you know, very worthwhile. Uh, embracing someone, uh, enhancing their experience of God and the church, uh, and empowering that—that that, that would be fantastic. But I still think there is a difference between inclusion and belonging. You see, inclusiveness means we can tolerate someone's presence, and we can find creative ways. Um, uh, to, to, to include to, to include you, so you you, you, you feel like uh, you're not threatened. But belonging is somewhat different. Belonging means we don't tolerate your presence. It means we value your presence. We need your contribution. We want you to realize your best as, as a human being, as a fellow pilgrim, following the way of Jesus Christ. That we would be less without you. Inclusivism means there is a place for you, but belonging means that the disabled identify with the church and the church claims them as one of their own. So this is slightly beyond mere inclusivity. What I'm suggesting here, and here I have to admit I'm following an um, Aberdeen theologian called John Swinton, he says when it comes to the church and the disabled, we should move beyond, inclu- move beyond inclusion into belonging. And if you think of the story we just read, the story of the four men carrying their paralytic friend or, or relative, their actions are not dr- driven merely by charity for a, for a poor, unfortunate chap. They're driven by compassion 
They're invested in his well-being. He matters to them. He belongs to them. He's one of them. And they want the best for him. That's why they take these daring steps of bringing him to Jesus and not stopping merely at the door, but unroofing the roof. That is what they're doing because he belongs to them. So what does belonging look like in our church? Well, I'm going to offer several suggestions. First of all, It means demonstrating compassion, Uh, having empathy for their particular struggle, their needs can be anxiety, fear, loneliness, empathy for the particular hardships they face, their pain, uh, you know, their embarrassments. Uh, And this can be simply as an email or a phone call or just a statement, something you do just to acknowledge that you know that there is a particular hardship they experience. Second, we can also talk about showing patience. Now, this can be very apparent for people who lack social skills. And I'm probably among them for anyone, for anyone who knows me well enough. People who, who walk slow, people who talk too loud, or people who just make you feel uncomfortable when you're around them. And this can even be with children who seem a little bit too rowdy. Okay? Uh, and, and, and I have to, have to, I have to make a, a personal note here. Um, I've seen a lot of children who are like on the spectrum, who have ADHD, who are maybe hyperactive, and I've seen so many people say, no, the, the, it's not the disability, it's just bad parenting. I've heard that so often. And uh, sadly, it's often by... Um, friends of mine who often don't have children of their own. In fact, I had one friend of mine, and he was about to become a father. And he said, you know, look, when I, when I become a dad, I'm not going to be like any of these parents here. I'm not going to be like any of them. I'm not going to let my kids run around just, just you know, yelling and screaming. Now, my kids will be disciplined. They will be obedient. And it will be fantastic. I'm not joking. I came and saw him 18 months later. I visited his house. And he was sitting down watching the TV, and one of the kids was hitting the TV with a, with a thing. And he says, don't hit the TV, or at least don't hit it so hard. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that, yeah, it's different, okay? And it is different, so d- d- don't assume, I mean, obviously, it's this, no... Some, some kids or some rowdy or, or this sort of thing. Don't, don't assume that there's a simple solution if you see some sort of symptoms of disability because often it's not. You don't want to make the parents or make some other people feel less or more embarrassed than they other, otherwise are. Another thing we can do is simply recognizing peculiar or special needs. Now that means we have to be willing to talk about, discuss, and implement some special needs. Now, in some cases, that can mean things like ramps, which is usually law, uh, if anything, but it's kind of like putting a hearing loop in your church, or maybe using a larger font on the screen, or assisting people uh, if they have you know, reading or, or learning problems. If big flashing night, night lights are, you know, I, I know we all like our church services like that um, YouTube clip contemplant, you know, lights and big drums. Um, But for some people, um, you know, uh, that can be a trigger for epilepsy. So maybe we need to dumb down the lights and the big drums or or, or whatever. Maybe you need to have two Sunday schools. One that might be uh, 
a, a particular quiet one for people who are... That's what we have at St. Alps. We have what's called quiet stacks, uh, where children who don't like too much running around in games or playing duck-duck-goose or, or pin the tail on the veggie tails or whatever they do at, at Sunday school. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've got to, we, have to meet the, we have to meet the needs of the physical environment uh, as, as we do and gather as a church. Uh, Another thing I think it's very important for us to do to have belonging uh, is to actually hear the voice of people, to visibly see them participate in the service, which could mean someone in a wheelchair, even just handing out the notices at the front of the church, uh, inviting people onto committees, inviting them to pray. Or if you're going to have a day of church vision, making sure those people uh, are heard and listened to as well, not merely as a token, oh yeah, and finally, just to go through the motions, we're going to do this as well. No, people who you genuinely appreciate what they bring. Another thing we can do is celebrating achievements. For some disabled people, uh, getting a job or even a part-time job can be one of the biggest things in their life. Uh, I know um, only 40% of adults with autism are actually employed. So getting, getting a job, if it's only a part-time job, you know, doing a, doing a job at church, like someone was able to, you know, to, uh, you had a big event and someone was there to help out coordinating the car park or something. Again, we, we might think that's a, a very banal or simple task, but for some people that can be the summit of what they can contribute. They not, they not, may never be able to preach. They may never be able to lead a Bible study. But for the first time, they're able to you know, help organize the car park. Something simple as that. Or, you know, whatever they do, have done in ministry. Or, even better, if you can get them to finish the Ridley certificate. That would be fantastic. Get them to do that. Give them an award. Make a big deal of it at church. Uh, the other thing we can do is, next, is investing in them. Uh, don't just see them as recipients of compassion and, and pastoral care, but people to be trained and equipped. Uh, two, to be a, an ambassador of Christ in their context and their lo- location, that we want to train them, we want to use them in ministry. Um, and finally, another thing I think we can do to have a, a church not just of inclusiveness but belonging is to bring them with you. Now, this can be like literally and physically bring them with you. If you're going to have a church picnic somewhere, you might want to make sure that, you know, people with some, you know, access issues, like, you know, maybe a walking stick or, you know, a wheelchair can get there. So if you're going to have it somewhere on the top of a whole bunch of stairs, may not be the best place to have a church picnic. I I read a wonderful video. Not read a wonderful... I saw a wonderful video. I I saw I didn't read it. I saw a wonderful video about a a man. um, His name was Kevin. He had um, uh, muscular dystrophy, and he was, you know, know, uh, bound to a wheelchair. And he'd always wanted to go traveling, wanted to go, you know, around Europe. But it's pretty hard to go backpacking around Europe when you've got muscular dystrophy. So what did his friends do? They literally backpacked him. They put him like in a in a in a um like a, like a baby holder type of thing. I mean, the guy only weighed like about fifty kilos or something. But they put him in a backpack and they literally backpacked their buddy around Europe. Now that is belonging. That is sharing. That is including. That is part. That is literally bringing them with you. So we can bring people to our worship spaces, but also in the more theological sense, whatever journey your church is on, whatever vision it has. 
to become, have a hundred multi-site churches, to become the great empire or whatever it is, or to plan a new church, or to add a new congregation, or whatever the or study, whatever that vision is for your church, include the disabled in that vision and think what can they contribute? What can they bring? How are they a part of that? Now, I think for anyone going to ministry, this is something you should at least consider, I mean, the disabled. I mean, because we, we, we like our idea of our ideal church. Everyone's fit, young, healthy, and maybe you get catch a cold or something, we pray for them. But no, but, but life is going to be filled with people at all stages of life. And like I said, you can be born with a disability, you can acquire a disability, or you can age into disability. And about 20% of people in your congregation are going to be, um, either have a disability, or as well, you're going to have people who are caring for those with a disability and your ministry is to care for them the whole church and the scary part is your ministry will be judged based on how you pastored the people entrusted to your care now whether that is a church whether that's a home group whether that's a some uni students who you do you know weekly bible talks to you know or whatever it is if you're a chaplain of a school or a chaplain in the army you will be judged by God, based on how you did that. And there are some pretty terrifying verses in Scripture about how pastors or, or Christian workers or teachers are judged. You find, I mean, probably the most scariest ones from 1 Corinthians 2, where Paul talks about, you know, how you know, ministers of the gospel, you know, their, their whole ministry is going to be tested from fire, and some of them may escape from that with their whole ministry edifices burned to the ground and literally like, like they just got out from a, from a burning building with their clothes singed. Okay. One, oh, one kid's three, is it? Sorry. Just to be precise. Yeah, your ministry. Your ministry will be judged. And, and, and what's, what's Jesus going to judge about your ministry? I mean, what's he going to be... What's, when Jesus gives you your report card from your ministry, what's he going to be impressed about? The number of likes on your church's Facebook page. Probably not. Okay. What's he going to say? He might say something like this. He'll say... I had Down syndrome, and you prayed for me, and you prayed with me. I had autism, and you wrote me an email celebrating my first job. I was a stranger with muscular dystrophy, and you invited me in. I was bound in a wheelchair, and you carried me. I had dementia, and you remembered me when I did not remember you. And we might reply, Lord, when... When did I see you with Down syndrome, with autism, with muscular dystrophy, in a wheelchair, or with dementia? And we know the answer, don't we? What you did for the least of these, you did for me. My dear friends, one of our pastoral imperatives, among many I know, among many I know, is to make sure the disabled are not just included, tolerated in our church, but that they know... And everyone knows they belong to the church of Jesus Christ. And on that note, let's pray. Our Heavenly Lord, we ask you to bless us to be shepherds of the flock of God. Whatever flock it is, whatever people, men and women of all abilities that you entrust to our care, give us the heart of a shepherd to care for them as we know you do. 
from the cradle to the grave and every stage and every manner of life in between. We pray we would protect, we would train, we would nurture and we would love them as you do. Give us the courage, give us the wisdom, give us the grace and the boundless depth of compassion that is ours in Christ Jesus through the Spirit so that our ministry, our priestly and sanctifying ministry of these people who are entrusted to us would be for your ever-increasing glory. And we pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.